Welcome to the Stewardship Leader Podcast, brought to you by the Christian Stewardship Network. CSN exists to encourage, teach, and connect church and stewardship leaders to help them create and lead healthy stewardship ministries in their church. You can learn more about CSN at christianstewardshipnetwork.com. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to Stewardship Leader. I'm your host, Leo Sabo, and I am excited today to be joined by Carl Tierney. He is from Vision 2, and this is our episode that we promised we would do after our webinar, which we did about a month ago on the stewardship survey that we've been working on. And uh, this is our final report uh, and some recommendations and some resources that we're going to provide for you guys from this podcast. So I think you'll really find this episode helpful, and I hope the resources that follow will also be tremendously helpful for everyone. Carl, why don't you say hi to everybody? Hi, everybody. Uh, happy to be here and uh, happy to be participating. All right. So let's go ahead and get started by first just laying out the reason why we did this in the first place. We initiated the survey because we wanted to have a better understanding and measure the understanding of what it takes to build a stewardship ministry. We also wanted to address the declining attendance. Uh, we all know that through the pandemic, we've seen a decrease in uh, charitable giving, especially to churches, also a shift in demographics. Uh, there's a bunch of things that have affected, obviously, both the attendance to churches and also the giving associated with that. So we wanted to collect a meaningful set of stewardship insights that could be used as the basis for developing a helpful set of tools and insights for our uh, network of churches that we both serve. As far as the survey respondents, the report broke down the roles of respondents per church size above and below the 1,000 total weekly attendance. So we broke all churches down into those two groups, and we have enough respondents uh, to draw reliable conclusion, which means that the trends are very likely applicable for all churches. So everyone that's listening to this should be able to benefit from the information that we gathered and we're going to share. Now, during the webinar, we also uh, shared some of the raw data, and in this podcast, we'll share the observations and recommendations that we've made from this, from both the survey and the webinar feedback, and then we'll provide some practical steps that you can take in these eight specific areas. The overall takeaway from our webinar poll was to confirm that this initiative is helpful. Uh, churches are looking for strategies and resources, and then most in attendance have a desire to broaden their focus on stewardship, which was very positive. Now, as far as a new normal, uh, we talked about this attendance and giving that's been down. That is a negative, but there's also quite a bit of hope that we've seen through this, which is that though the attendance and giving is down, some churches are already seeing new growth. And that's, that's very encouraging. Churches need to embrace these new members uh, and not engage them in the same way. And the new normal includes a digital first group. This is something that we'll dig into in this episode to really talk about what does that look like. This is a great opportunity that we need to seize. We need to be more specific and thoughtful of the process of engaging digital first attendees. For many, the focus has shifted from gathering in person uh, to how to recreate it digitally. And there's a growing awareness of this, but churches need to invest in making it happen. Now, due to the challenges of this new normal, it's important to have an annual stewardship plan or a checklist to communicate content and equip all groups of givers. Today, we'll talk about that. 
the communication points for teaching personal finance education, things like generosity and stewardship resources, uh, why have a stewardship strategy, and how to know if it's effective. All right, so Carl, let's go ahead and start first with defining stewardship and generosity. Why don't you uh, do that for us? Thanks, Leo. I mean, one of the things that we discussed uh, during the webinar is that stewardship and generosity are more than just money. One of the things that the survey actually indicated was that for larger uh, churches, stewardship was a top priority over simply just focusing on giving amounts and budgetary concerns. Smaller churches were far more likely to focus on giving amounts due to financial challenges from a budgeting perspective. One of the important things to note is that stewardship is not just a campaign. It's actually about a relationship with God. You know, Galatians 2.20 is a great reference for that. And every decision in our life is about stewardship, You know how we actually measure and deploy our time, treasure, and talents. All of those decisions are about, you know, how do I fulfill my, my role as a follower of Christ? Mm-hmm. And generosity is actually how we actually respond to the needs around us. And it can be both treasure, talent, and time, right? All of those are, are potential things that we can give away that we can use to respond to the needs around us. A person who demonstrates that characteristic in every aspect of their life. While churches tend to focus holistically on building financial discipleship in all areas, for our purposes, we're only going to be focusing on financial stewardship today, just to kind of narrow our focus. And because finances are often a clear indicator of whether or not we're building God's kingdom or our own, it's one of the other reasons why we focus on the financial side. And, you know, one of the questions that we should always be asking ourselves is, are we helping members embrace stewardship and or generosity? And and our recommendation is you actually have to do both, right? So stewardship is is really kind of about how do I manage all of the resources in my life? And then generosity is, again, how do we respond to need? And so you you can't do one without the other. Both are required. And so while it's a little easier for larger organizations, larger churches to actually practice that in a little bit, uh, you know, kind of a, a more holistic approach, it's important for even smaller churches to actually uh, manage both sides of that equation. It can't just be about the financial, because the financial often will follow the discipleship piece. So the better we are in teaching the discipleship side of financial stewardship and the stewardship, they'll be better from a generosity perspective in terms of the way that they equip the church. So we actually have to do both in combination. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Carl. I think that's the that's the thing that pastors and churches need to embrace, that we can focus on giving, but if we just focus on giving and not equipping people to be better and more faithful stewards, then their, even their giving will be very seasonal. Uh, it, it'll be very sporadic. When, when things get difficult, they'll stop giving. Whereas if we're teaching and training them to be good stewards and generous givers, then it's just who they are, and they'll give to their ability, and that's, that's an important uh, thing to understand. All right, so what should we be doing and on what schedule, uh, whether we have a dedicated stewardship role or not? Well, Leo, one of the questions we asked uh, via a poll during the webinar is, do you see value in a dedicated stewardship role? And overwhelmingly, the answer was yes. Out of 122, we got only three said no. And, you know, one of the things that we received as we kind of went through the webinar was, uh, you know, kind of, is it one person and how does that impact the organization? And so from a definition perspective, a dedicated strategic focus by one or more staff leaders is really what um, we've been talking about. And it's much easier when that's a dedicated person, but it doesn't necessarily mean it needs to be that that's the only person that is doing it. For smaller churches, you can spread those things out. But the most important thing is, is we actually have to be able to create measures and actually be able to hold people accountable for those metrics, because if we don't do that, then we don't. We haven't really established ownership or a clear stewardship role, or stewardship ownership of certain aspects of the stewardship role. 
Yeah. So important that someone owns it. Otherwise it just doesn't, doesn't become an important aspect of the ministry. So it was good to see in the survey that nearly half of both size groups see stewardship and generosity as a shared responsibility across the leadership team. And also in the webinar feedback, even with a set role, stewardship and generosity, generosity needs to be a shared concept through the team and a heart everyone shares. Yeah, we, we listed three main roles of a stewardship pastor, managing top donors, ministering generosity, and teaching financial discipleship. And the survey showed that the, uh, the larger churches were had uh, much more focus on kind of education uh, over general messages on, on giving and are also more likely to have a dedicated stewardship role than smaller churches. Mm-hmm. Um, as we looked at kind of and took a poll during the, the webinar, out of the 76 responses, you know, we had uh, 30% that said teaching financial principles was kind of the, the primary, uh, one of the major responsibilities. The next one after that was ministering generosity at 19%. And then only about 5% actually said it was managing top donors. And then 46%, the largest uh, response was all of the above. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for the 50% of small and 32% of large churches with no stewardship role, we wondered, are churches not focused on stewardship education, or do they just lack a more in-depth plan, which would include someone overseeing it? And I believe having a program-based rather than a process-driven ministry approach is part of the problem. If we just focus on what program can we offer, then we somewhat handicap the ministry to be looked at in the wrong way. Our goal as a, as a leadership in churches should be to equip people both in the area of stewardship, but also equipping them to be generous given. One leads to the other. And generosity is important for all of us, not just for the individual in the church, but for the ministry of the church in order to accomplish what you know the mission and the, the God-given vision has been uh, given to that church. So it's important that, that churches have a plan on how to do that. And that's, that's where a process is much easier to engage with from a congregational perspective. If they know what the journey looks like, then they can enter it and they can begin to, to benefit from it. And then, of course, the church benefits from their maturity in this area. Yeah, from a recommendation perspective, I think, you know, kind of what we see as kind of the best approach is, is that while the entire leadership team needs to be involved from a stewardship perspective, We think that, you know, the ideal scenario is where either you have a full-time or a part-time dedicated stewardship pastor. Mm -hmm. Now, this may not always be in reach, and you may actually have to use a team approach and divide up responsibilities. And that's okay as long as you create accountability for that division of responsibilities. If it ends up being everybody's responsible and nobody's accountable, it still won't help you kind of develop an effective stewardship uh, program. And then without a doubt, the senior pastor has to be involved. And so make sure that, again, as I said, you know, from a leadership perspective, everybody that has a leadership position or a role in the ministry should have some portion of this. But again, accountability and clear metrics will help you actually kind of ensure that that happens. Lastly, from an education perspective, and we're going to dive into this uh, later, you know, you definitely want to make sure that you have resources available to help you from a stewardship perspective in teaching stewardship. Um, You're definitely going to want to have good reporting that will both help you understand who's actually participating in your stewardship discipleship programs, as well as kind of what's happening from a generosity perspective. And then lastly, one of the other things you may want to think about is, is how do you actually, you know, acknowledge the progress and kind of recognize the progress that you're making, both from a, a, a stewardship discipleship, as well as from a generosity perspective. How do we actually acknowledge the progress that we've made and make sure that that's uh, part of one of those things that you do along the way? is recognize uh, kind of the progress that you're making. 
Yeah. That's great. I, I do like that you included the the reporting part of it. I think so many churches go ahead and use resources and they do begin to disciple their people um, and even are doing a better job of communicating and acknowledging uh, some of that. But the reporting part, many times it's missing or it's not adequate enough to help them to see whether it's working or not. So uh, that's an important aspect. So what can we learn from the survey data about goal setting for stewardship and generosity? Um, based on kind of what the survey revealed, there's kind of two major different goals uh, that we got back based on kind of the size of the organization. Uh, the larger churches uh, were much more likely to emphasize an increase in discipleship versus increasing giving. And from a smaller church perspective, the focus was on increasing giving. Uh, even for new churches or church plants that are in survival mode and focusing on giving, building a strong stewardship from day one is critical to creating a successful and healthy church. Uh, we need to have both balance in education and financial discipleship and giving. You can't do one or the other. You actually have to focus on both. And two drivers to kind of impact uh, generosity to think about is one is, is how do we describe the impact of what generosity is doing, right? So if generosity is a response to need, right, to a response to the need around us, if we're not expressing what those needs are, it becomes very difficult for people to actually be generous, so it's it's on us to actually describe the impact or kind of the need for for generosity uh, as leadership inside the church. And then the other thing uh, that's important to recognize is that we also have to, you know, from a generosity perspective, we also have to recognize where people are at. And that's part of the reason why financial discipleship is important, because that's about how we actually create the ability to be generous. That stewardship side teaches us how to actually create the ability or capacity to be generous. Yeah, that's good. Now, our recommendation, of course, as far as setting these specific goals is, number one, you have to have the ability to know the number of people that are going through your financial training in a particular year. It's important that we measure, are we moving people down this path? This is a journey, so it's going to take time to, to get everyone engaged and through it. And so you want to make sure that you're measuring the effect of your discipleship program. So how many people are going? How many classes are you doing? That's an important measure because you know that you're reaching a certain target or a certain number of your congregation. Also, new givers, how to engage them. You have to look at different ways to do that. Is it through weekend messages? Yes. Discipleship program on giving? Absolutely. Demonstrating impact. As Carl said, this is an important part of making sure that people understand what they're giving to and that they're motivated to do so. Uh, and it's best to use more than one approach to increase engagement. It could be attending a class, but it also, of course, could be coming from the pulpit and in so many different ways that you want to communicate this need for them to engage in giving. I think there's kind of three or four key generosity metrics you can look at, too, as you're looking at from a generosity perspective. Uh, one is kind of giving frequency and consistency. You know, am I a regular giver, irregular kind of, you know, what is what is kind of my frequency and the consistency of my giving? Of course, the gift amount. While it's interesting, you know, but seeing, you know, kind of where people are at and is their generosity increasing, especially if they're new and they may have just attended their first membership class, you know, kind of what is the overall total giving, which is, of course, kind of the financial health of the church and understanding what our capacity is and our budget is. But I think one of the other key metrics is also understanding what is the giving participation, right? It's not just about how much a household is giving, it's whether or not they're giving at all. Right, because that's also a good indicator of whether or not we've done a good job of describing impact and creating an opportunity for people to be generous and recognizing that generosity is needed. And the other is, is have we done a good job of teaching discipleship? Like this is important for you to help build the kingdom of God. And if you're not actually 
on the program side, teaching discipleship of, you know, or teaching stewardship, then that also is going to show up in whether or not households are all, you know, what your household participation level is. Yeah, that's good. So from the uh, survey data and the feedback, um, let's talk about developing that communication strategy. What does that look like? I mean, it was definitely positive to see education uh, was a top response for both groups. Uh, 52% of smaller churches and 41% of larger churches basically in the survey uh, said that their messaging was a little bit random throughout the year. But either way, communication strategy has to be intentional. And it may have been our question that was not clearly phrased, but we want to from a, an approach perspective and kind of thinking about it, we definitely want to have a communication strategy that's intentional and it can't just be give us some money and here's what we're trying to do this year. Again, it has to be kind of a little bit more uh, thoughtful and help to understand the impact of what generosity would do. From our recommendation perspective, this is really where creating an annual plan of how I'm actually going to grow stewardship or provide engagement that inspires members. I should be sitting down and thinking about that at the beginning of the year or just before the beginning of the year especially when I'm starting to think about budgeting and all of those things, because budget should get coordinated with kind of what is, you know, our communication plan, our stewardship plan for the year. And then we want to, we want to communicate throughout the year. We definitely want to promote seasonal opportunities, pieces around into the holidays, potentially giving Tuesday, other opportunities for us to gauge in kind of, you know, seasonal pieces. Uh, but we also need a consistent message throughout the year. It can't just be every once in a while or when we get stuck or, we, you know, we have a shortfall that we then start talking about generosity because this is about generosity is a little bit like a muscle. Um, we have to train it. And uh, it's if we don't have a consistent program that runs throughout the year, it's very difficult to kind of improve the strength of kind of our generous hearts if we're not engaging in a in a, in a consistent process from a from a communication perspective. Yeah, you also have to think about doing uh, an year-end evaluation. So you put this plan in place, you're doing this throughout the year, but then you have to come back to the end of the year and compile all your giving and stewardship data and share results with your leadership team as you plan to then, again, have a strategy for the following year. If participation was low, how can you better communicate the benefits and impact of the education? Always remember to focus messaging around impact, perhaps with testimonials of those who did participate. If participation was encouraging, uh, consider the next level of education to begin implementing. Also, poll your members. Know how well you're doing based on their feedback. Are they telling you that they're missing certain resources? Do they need additional resources? Ultimately, you need to ask, how well do you think the church is doing in stewarding the resources we are given? Uh, it reveals how well you are discipling and moving people on this journey of stewardship. All right, so we got a lot of questions about resources. This is something that we consistently do. Uh, so what makes financial curriculum good, acceptable, and how to evaluate its effectiveness for your church? Uh, the challenge with finding the right curriculum uh, is a top write-in concern of, of our survey respondents. Everyone needs to know, what can I use to disciple my people better? And the same was true in the webinar attendees. We, that was a, a consistent feedback that we've got, that the curriculum and content is very, very important. Unfortunately, there's no silver bullet or perfect approach. Uh, we can become polarized and reject what's out there because of what's missing. And I'm as guilty of this as anyone else. You know, when we look at financial education, it's spiritual and it's also practical. And it's hard to find that balance between finding the right curriculum. Uh, many times we think, well, this is great, but it doesn't have enough spiritual content. And then we can look at something spiritual and we can say, well, yeah, but it doesn't have anything practical. So how do people actually engage in a practical way to live this out? 
people get polarized and reject resources for that reason. I know I've done it, uh, but you need to understand that FPU, for instance, is, is not spiritual enough, but it really wasn't designed for that. It's designed to help people with practical money, ideas, and understanding and tools. And then Compass, for instance, it's maybe not practical enough. It's very spiritual, but it was designed that way. So why not allow both of these to be resources that you're offering? And sometimes you have to look at a curriculum and decide, yes, it's missing certain things, but how can I adapt it to make it fit my scenario? Again, there's no perfect one curriculum that's going to accomplish the job. What's important for us as stewardship leaders and as church leaders is to find something that we can think through, how will this fit in this particular part of the development of a steward? And if I can do that, then I can offer curriculum and adapt that curriculum so that it's accomplishing uh, one step on that journey to, to better stewardship. So Carl, what kind of recommendations can we make here? I think the I think the first one is is you are far better off uh, to use an existing resource and then creating your own. Um, it is a very very difficult process to build curriculum. It always looks very easy from the outset until you actually have to dig into it, and you can find yourself struggling with it for years to get it to point the point where it actually is doing something that you may have been able to get off the shelf with a little bit of tweaking mm. and do much faster. So. You know, from a from a curriculum perspective, I, I would pick the one that you know gives you kind of the eighty or seventy percent of what you're looking for, and then figure out how to kind of weave in the other things that you're missing, whether it's more practical examples or more spiritual. But regardless, you definitely want to start off with picking a, a, a good average program and augmenting it, then trying to build your own program from from scratch. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Uh, I've done both. And I can tell you, <laughs> I agree with Carl 100%. It's so much easier to take something off the shelf and adapt it than to build something from scratch. So how do you evaluate what resources or content to use? Well, I think primary, you have to make discipleship the focus. Whatever we're doing, it's always about the central message or the central uh, meaning of what we're doing. Is It's all around discipleship. We're trying to grow people to be more dependent on God, and more focused on following God's word. So you have to know that it's not going to be perfect because people are in different places and different stages of the journey. You have to find the best balance, as Carl said, find an average program that can do that, but know that it's not going to be perfect for everyone. It's not the curriculum's job to tie into the Bible. And this is important to understand. I know that I would wish that I can find a curriculum that just does the whole job. But many times we take practical, more practical resources like FPU, and we have to add in the ministry component to help people understand. It's not just about getting out of debt. It's about committing to live a life that, that is based on God's principles, which tell us, hey, stay away from unwise debt. And so we have to tie in the biblical. It all can't be effective in some way. That's really the point. The challenge is members are in different points in their journey. And you have to figure out how to best equip members to go deeper and further on that journey. So let me finish by just saying we have to let go of the idea of the perfect curriculum. It doesn't exist. And even if it is perfect today, you might think it is. Maybe you created something you think is perfect. I guarantee you in a few years it won't be because everything changes and our people eventually get oversaturated with a content. So we need to constantly be tweaking and, and finding <coughs> different ways to communicate this vital message of stewardship to them. All right. Uh, hopefully that's helpful for everybody. What are the most important metrics to track, Carl? 
So interestingly enough, 25% of both groups said that they have no reporting or insights on generosity trends, whether uh, large or small, that is a little bit like trying to steer a ship without a compass. Um, so lack of insight can give you all kinds of challenges, which is you're not really sure about the health of the church from an attendance perspective, from an individual perspective. And it's very difficult to do any kind of planning around your ministry if you don't really kind of understand what's happening from a generosity perspective. So it's knowing what that's going, how that's working and, and, and being able to understand it is really important. Um, from a recommendation perspective, you know, there's a couple of key things that we would recommend you take a look at. So one, the first thing you need to do is, is always be looking at uh, your generosity trends from a household perspective. You can't just look at the individuals because it's going to give you an, an inaccurate picture of what generosity is actually transpiring. And then just from understanding and looking at, you know, a broad section of uh, church giving data, I can tell you that frequency is actually the best uh, trend to watch, right? So if you want to know whether or not giving is going up or down, frequency is actually usually your first bellwether metric. It will tell you in advance of what's happening uh, far before kind of the giving total amounts will, because you'll start to see changes in behavior because that's really kind of a change in behavior or heart or even capacity of members when they can't give as frequently as they used to, which eventually impacts the overall total. Um, one of the other interesting challenges is given the amount of focus that we've had in the church on, on creating recurring giving and pushing recurring giving, is that it makes it a lot more difficult to kind of look at our giving from a weekly perspective. So it used to be one of the things we would do is look at, okay, I've done my entry for the weekend, how do we do for the week? And that used to be our bellwether as we're getting closer to 25, 30% of our giving being recurring and a lot of that, almost 90% of it being monthly, it becomes very difficult to actually measure and understanding what's happening from a, a giving perspective if you don't use a monthly cycle. Because you'll end up looking at things that it looks like the first couple of weeks might be horrible because, well, that's not when the recurring gifts are triggering. And so as a result, you'll go through this, you know, what, what I would call a little bit of a dolphin effect if you don't actually uh, step back and look at it from a monthly perspective, which will account for the fact that you may have a bunch of monthly recurring gifts in there. And then recurring is a great forecast tool because it's already kind of baked. I have a good idea of what's happening, but it's also a general indication of kind of what is a total commitment because from a frequency perspective, there's nothing more consistent and nothing more kind of regular except for as the way that recurring works. So it's a great metric to look at. We also recommend three metrics to measure your effectiveness of your stewardship strategy. One is how many have gone through training, how many people are actually going through training every single year or in the seasons that you're doing it, how many of your attending households are giving. As Carl said, households is better than individuals. And then last, what frequency are they giving? Is it regular, irregular? Is it reoccurring? So those are the, the recommendations as far as the metrics that you should be measuring. All right, so let's move on to why track major gifts and how to use that information. Well, I mean, one of the key questions is, is how do we engage and acknowledge the most generous uh, of our members? And, you know, the, the one thing that, you know, I'll start off by saying, and, and this is actually the 96% of people that give, there was a survey done at one point, they basically said the acknowledgement was one of the critical factors of, of their giving experience. And especially with those people that make large, generous donations to the church, we want to make sure that we actually acknowledge their generosity because otherwise we'll have a negative impact on whether they do it again or continue to give to the church. Often, though, those large gifts require a much more personal touch. could include conversations with the senior pastor, lunch with the stewardship pastor. You want to create some personal engagement around that. 
because this is somebody who clearly has a heart for God and is engaged in your church um, and can have a major impact on your ability to do your ministry and realize your ministry goals. So we we definitely want to kind of personally engage with them. Yeah, that's good. So our recommendation is to always connect their gifts to impact. This is an important distinction here. Make sure that you help them to understand what they're giving to. And then some of the common missed opportunities uh, with top donors include getting them involved before kicking off a capital campaign. Their buy-in will help others buy in. They're usually influencers. They're people that that if they can catch the vision, then it's easy for them to share it. And it's easy for other people to tie into that vision and also contribute. Also, another missed opportunity is discipling them. You know, giving is not just about their money. Uh, there's other things that these folks, just like the rest of us, deal with. Sometimes it's pride, it's ego, it's control, it's family dynamics. There, there are just challenges in all our lives, and they are no different. Uh, so they need spiritual growth, and this is often the avenue. You know, finances is usually the avenue that can be used to help them grow because they're going to be open to that conversation. They're looking for answers, and that's where a pastor can come in. And as Carl said, when you're having lunch with these folks, when you're having that connection point, uh, almost a one-on-one with them, that gives you opportunity to help them grow spiritually. And then the last one is capturing testimonies. Generous Giving and Gospel Patrons are two organizations that have done this really well that prove the fact that, you know, when you see people give, when you see these generosity stories, you are motivated to give. And so using this testimonies and capturing these testimonies and sharing them with the rest of the congregation is so important, Uh, but specifically to this group, because as these two organizations have proven, all they do is just bring people into an, in a, into an environment where they can hear stories of other generous givers, and they're motivated to make some significant changes and give way more than they've been in the past. So we cannot miss these opportunities. It is a high-time, uh, high-touch ministry with uh, high-capacity givers, and we just need to be intentional about how we minister to them. All right, so in the next section, we mentioned digital-first approach right at the beginning. And so we want to come back to that. How do we educate, resource, and build community among those who don't or can't visit the church in person? Well, I mean, definitely one of the things that's happened is with the pandemic, it made digital church a reality for more churches than ever. Our survey indicated that 90% of large churches and 84% of smaller churches have implemented some form of live streaming. However, the majority of respondents have little or no tracking of what's actually going on with that live streaming facility. From a post-COVID attendance perspective, hovering at around 50% of where it used to be, we must create a strategy that includes those who don't, won't, or can't attend worship or educational opportunities in person. Um, And we have to think about ways of building community around digital first attendees. Our recommendations are, from a strategy perspective, that you not only implement your stewardship education, but you also must figure out a way to do that from a digital first perspective. And that includes both communication giving opportunities, um, reporting, and being able to understand what your digital attendance is, and then also education. And I think that's one of the big things that people need to be thinking about. Leo, what are your thoughts on online education? Yeah, it's a a difficult one for sure, especially when you're talking about uh, connecting with people that may even be in different states. You know, there are some, some of the megachurches have large online campuses, and the people that attend these online campuses that consider themselves part of the church. They're basically members of this church, and they're all over the map, and some of them outside of the U.S. But you have to consider that whatever you're doing in person, if you're offering a class in person, how can you tailor that to an online engagement? There are many of the curriculums that are available and more that are being created 
that do have an online component. And uh, I can think of a few right now that you can do an online small group, right? You can get together every week for an hour, hour and a half, discuss the lessons for that week and grow together. So think about those kind of things. They're already available. More can be created. For those churches that have the ability to create these resources, then by all means, when you're doing the creations to do them in person, make sure that you also think about how would we deliver this in an online format. And then for those smaller churches that don't have those resources, there are those mega churches that have those resources that make them available for free. So by all means, connect with them, connect with some of our leaders in CSN that have already created these resources. And that way we can help you to engage with that and use it until you're ready to create your own or find something else that works. So there is content out there for it, but I think what Carl and I are really trying to emphasize here is that you need to put it as a priority because more and more people are engaging that way. Even the people that are in your church are engaging that way. They're going to want to do something online many times rather than coming in person during the week. So we just need to adapt to that and not hope that it'll change. It won't change. It's moving in that direction. We need to be prepared and keep moving in that direction ourselves. All right, so as we close this out, we want to talk about the five key takeaways, which we did share in the webinar, uh, but kind of as a final suggestions or takeaways that we want you to walk away with. This is something we want to cover real quick before we end this podcast. So healthy stewardship in a congregation rarely happens by accident. Now, the foundation of a strong culture of stewardship and generosity is established through leaders, strategy, resources, and intent. I hope you really understand that. It's not going to happen by accident. You do have to be intentional. Uh, and that's across the board, both in teaching it and also helping people to apply it in stewardship and in generosity. So number one, uh, leaders must understand the difference in stewardship and generosity. We started with that. Defining these different but related biblical concepts is critical to effectively motivating leaders and members to take steps to grow both individually and as a body in these areas. Uh, one of our other key takeaways is churches of all sizes can benefit from an intentional stewardship and communication strategy. Stewardship and generosity can be taught and nurtured through education, consistent messaging across leadership, and some level of staffing focus and accountability. Uh, it has to be both staffing and accountability dedicated to the ministry, whether that's full or part-time. Yeah, so number three would be that strategy intent matters. Uh, to be effective, stewardship goals must prioritize the biblical intention of stewardship a growing trust and commitment toward God. That's that's really the ultimate focus for our people. We want them to trust God more and not just simply uh, the church's financial budgetary concerns. Yes, that's important. But if we put people first, if we help them understand God's word, we help them become better stewards and teach them what generosity looks like, then they're going to be just gradually becoming more generous and more faithful. And the church's finances and all of that will, will come into alignment. I believe that when we serve people in this area, they're going to be the ones that are going to support the mission of the church. What's number four, Carl? Data is an essential guide to effectively growing stewardship. Actionable insights and personalized communication, which is really only possible at scale through data, enables leadership to engage and minister to members. If we don't, if we can't measure it, if we can't report on it, it's very difficult to understand whether we're being effective from a, from a stewardship perspective. Yeah. And number five is the one we started with. We'll end with it. Uh, the times call for both an in-person and online approach to engaging your members. Uh, economic shifts and demographic changes demand a more diverse approach to engaging with your people. And this is going to continue to move in that direction. So we do encourage you 
to take a proactive approach to this because there are a lot of people out there and there's a great opportunity to reach more people for Christ and bring them into a relationship with God when we help them understand this very basic but very important aspect of stewardship and generosity. Uh, it's central. It's central to our lives. It's central to our discipleship. And we believe, and I believe you agree with us, that we need to do everything we can to make that work for every person that's out there that needs to hear this message. Carl, any last words before we wrap this up? No, I uh, really appreciate the opportunity to uh, spend time with all of you and uh, share our thoughts and uh, insights into the survey. And uh, thank you so much for your time. Well, as we continue building out this uh, exploration, we would love to hear from churches that have made intentional changes or put a deeper focus on their stewardship strategy and what that outcome uh, was. We, we want to hear your stories. What are you doing and how is it working? We also appreciate your questions uh, throughout this initiative. Uh, we couldn't answer all of them, but uh, watch uh, for an email that we're going to send with a link to the final report and some additional resources. Some of those will answer your question by offering different resources that, that will provide those answers. We'll also continue to address uh, and prioritize questions throughout the year. So we, we just ask that you would continue to, to uh, engage with us, ask us questions. Again, you can send any stories, any questions, any success stories to info at christianstewardshipnetwork.com. That's info at christianstewardshipnetwork.com. And uh, the other thing that I want you guys to just kind of keep in mind is that we are going to do this again next year. So when we do that, please, please, please uh, engage with this. Answer those questions. The, the more churches we get engaged with this process, the more we can learn, the more resources we can develop to help all our churches become better at this. As a kind of a last call to action, uh, we're here to serve you. And so we would love for you to connect with both our organization. Vision 2 is a giving solution uh, that facilitates generosity and supports stewardship efforts. These guys are prepared to help you understand both the metrics that help you to gauge the impact of your ministry, but also to give you strategies on how you can communicate better, how to uh, decipher the information that you're gaining from this data so that you can have a better stewardship strategy, you can set better stewardship goals, and of course, have more engagement in that area of generosity from your people. And then, of course, for us, CSN, uh, we're here to serve you as a church leader to help you and equip you in any way that we can in this area of stewardship and generosity. Probably the best way that you can do that is attend one of our events and, of course, become a member. We've launched this membership just a few months ago, and that's just going to continue to grow, continue to be a resource for everyone. And we think it's a very low-cost high value proposition where you can come connect with other stewardship leaders. You can have access to content, to resources, and of course, to the knowledge of the network that's going to help you to take next steps in your ministry. So really highly encourage you to become a member. Visit us at christianstewardshipnetwork.com and you can go to vision2.com and benefit from all the resources and their services that Carl and his team provide. Thanks so much for being with us. I hope that this was beneficial for everyone. Be looking out for that email we're going to send you with all the information, the report, and the additional resources. Thank you for joining us. Please share this with someone else, another church leader that might benefit from these resources. And we look forward to seeing you next time on Stewardship Leader. Stewardship Leader.